Hey guys, it's Emily. If this episode is coming to you from quarantine, I just want you to know that I am thinking of you and praying for you. These are really unprecedented times. This past weekend, we actually went for a bike ride and I decided to start reading Harry Potter again because every once in a while, I just think it's good to give our brains a break and think about something else. So in this episode, we are going to talk about something else. One thing I have appreciated in all of this, though, was a meme I saw that said, now that people are home with no sports and nothing to do in nine months, we're going to see a baby boom and we'll call them coronials, which I just thought was so funny, but also telling because right on par with the human instinct of survival comes human sexuality. So I thought it would be a fun time to have a conversation about that. If you've got kids at home, consider this your warning. Lastly, I ask that you would keep in mind that this is one woman's experience and that we would really place ourselves in great reverence before that, recognizing the vulnerability of sharing these intimate places of the heart with thousands of people listening. But our hope is that this honest conversation will bear fruit in your marriage or in your future marriage. And before you ask, men, yes, I'm working on getting a male perspective. So with that, cheers to the rise of the coronials. So, so this is going to be like the really longest great. conversation that you've ever had. <laughs> yes. You're used to patience where it's like, I got 15 minutes and on to the next thing. Yep. So take a deep breath, sit back, relax. Awesome. This is going to be a joy for you. You're listening to Lead Him to Life, where it's our prerogative to explore what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. We have far more questions than answers, but believe that extraordinary answers can be found in the ordinariness of a journey. I'm your host, Emily Leadham. Hey friends, and welcome to Lead Him to Life. I am here with my friend Alexis today. Alexis, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Alexis Motes, tell us a little bit about who you are. Give us a few fun facts, some highlights. Sure. So I am a wife to Thomas Motes, um, who is awesome and getting his master's in theology. Your high school love. Well, I have loved him since I was probably 11. I have diaries from eighth grade saying Mrs. Alexis Motes. Are you serious? Yes. And I kept them. But he didn't get on board till sophomore year of college, so. Really? Yeah. Okay, so how did, did you ask him out first? No, well, it was like very clear that I liked him in high school and middle okay. school. But um, he just was like very steadfast that we needed to be just friends. <laughs> and then he realized that you should probably marry your best friend. But he had to gain some maturity. Gain some maturity. Become a man <laughs> yes, first. Exactly. I love it. Exactly. I love it. Okay. So you're married to Thomas. Yes. I have a sweet son, Gregory, um, who's 20 months old. And then I'm due with our baby girl, Joy, in April. Um, and then I am a medical student at USD here in town. And I will be done in just about a year. That's so exciting. And you just took your last test. I just took my last ever. board exam. Yes. So do if I sound like really you have chill. A test hangover? <laughs> yes, That's, I do. Yeah. You have a little bit of a test hangover right now. I can tell you're like, this is the last time I've taken a test in what? How many years? 20 like 19, years? 19. Yep. 19 my years. life has been exams and then I take them and then I go to the next one and now it's exam and I took it and now I'm 
doing a podcast, I guess. I love it. You're doing so, all the things. I'm yes. so proud of you. Well, thank you amidst your very, very busy schedule and all of that for just taking time to to come and have a conversation with me. So um, you are uh, a medicine person, a medical person, and we were just talking about this before we started. I just I love having medical people on here because I recognize they can just talk about things in a very honest way that sometimes I feel like I get awkward about. Like, did you listen to the conversation that I had with Marva Bandiste? I don't know what num- what episode it was, but we were having a conversation and I noticed that throughout the episode I was saying, okay, so regarding sexual intimacy mm-hmm. or con- you know, <laughs> connection time with your spouse and Mara was like, so let's talk about sex. Yep. <laughs> like intercourse. Is, I need medical people talking about. that are just, and yeah. I feel like I'm a pretty open book, but um, yeah, so we are actually going to have a conversation today about Natural family planning specifically, um, kind of in the broader context of marital intimacy um, as well. So first of all, when did you when did you kind of first learn about natural family planning or what has been your personal experience uh, with NFP? Sure. So um, I've known about natural family planning since I was in high school. I went to a Catholic school, Gorman in town. Um, and so we were taught about naturally planning and that it's what Catholics should do when they're married. Um, as I learned more about it in like apologetics courses, it made a lot of sense to me. And it, I was like, yep, this is what I'm going to do. I actually took a medication in high school um, that you were supposed to take birth control with it. Um, and I had to sign a bunch of forms saying I wasn't going to have sex, so I don't need to take birth control. I promise it's going to be fine. Because I was so, like, convicted about, like, nope, birth control isn't what I should be using. Okay. Um, but then God kind of laughed at me, and I was diagnosed with um, a pretty intense medical condition that required some surgeries and a lot of different things. Um, but I ended up being put on birth control to preserve my fertility and really my life, honestly. Um, and so um, it was around that exact same time that I started dating Thomas. Um and we realized we wanted to get married, and I was going through all of these um, treatments and um, surgeries, and we had to have, like, a talk about maybe I wasn't even going to be able to have children. Do you still want to marry me? Wow. Um, so it was a big, huge part of our, like, engaged life. Mm-hmm. So then um, we kind of realized that if we were going to get married, we were not going to really be able to have children right away. Because medical school, because yeah. we got married three weeks before my first day of medical school. Okay. Um, and so there was going to be a period of time where if I was going to treat my medical condition, I had to be taking a medication commonly used as birth control in marriage. And so um, we went through a lot of channels and a lot of talking about it with priests and whatever. And um, that's how we started our marriage was taking birth control, mm-hmm. which is what my 16-year-old self, like, signed I a form never, ever, saying ever. I was yeah, never yeah, going to yeah. do. So that was, like, wild for both of us, especially because he comes from such a beautiful Catholic family. I married a Motes, as you know. Yeah. So um, it was really hard for um, him, too, and it was hard for both of us to kind of start out that way. Um, but it has proven to kind of be an awesome gift in a way. Because I now have an experience of being in a marriage that has sex on birth control and sex not on birth control. Interesting. So that has been really um, 
good in order to be able to talk to other people about it. So let's talk a little bit about that. What was, what was the shift for you? So you were on um, a medication for like the first, what, six months or something like that? Four-ish, five, six, yeah, yeah around like that, that A few months. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what was the shift? What was, what was the difference? Um, so ooh, that sounded very North Dakota of me. So, <laughs> so, okay. um, uh, so we were taking birth control and then, um, we originally had planned to not have a baby until after first year of medical school. And then we were actually both sitting at mass one day in Minnesota and came up to each other after mass and we're like, we have to talk about something. And it was both that we had both decided we wanted to have a baby earlier than that. So that was kind of cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, so then obviously that meant we had to stop taking my medication. Um, and so right away we went from taking birth control to trying to get pregnant. So that kind of sexual relationship is different because didn't really change the fact that we were able to have sex whenever we wanted mm-hmm. because that was sort of the point. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess um, the difference was kind of interesting because when you're taking birth control, the point is that it suppresses ovulation and those hormones are wild. Yeah. Um, I had not experienced those hormones in a very long time. So it was, it was just so like eye opening to like desire my spouse in a more intense way, mm-hmm. because like when you're newly married, it's obviously great and fun and exciting f- for some people. Some people it can be really difficult, um, but I hadn't experienced any difficulties. So then, not taking birth control and not having the kind of hormone fog preventing me from seeing him in a very like natural way was crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, what was really interesting though, is like looking back after we got pregnant right away. Um, and then I was pregnant so we could still have sex whenever we wanted. And then sounds like a great first year, right? <laughs> it was very interesting. Um, but then we had Greg and then we needed to do natural life planning and, Um, I was also breastfeeding, so there was a whole lot of, like, other stuff going on. Um, But one thing that I, like, immediately realized was how we had turned sex into sort of a commodity in our marriage because for the first year and a half, we had been able to do whatever we wanted whenever we wanted. Oh, interesting. And we have a little bit of a desire discrepancy in our household um, where I could probably go for the rest of my life without sex and be totally fine. Hmm. which is an issue. Yeah. It's yeah. an issue. Yeah. Can we come back to that? Yeah. Okay, sure. great. We're going to, we'll come back to that. Um, and so it kind of got to the point where it was like, well, if you make sure that the kitchen is clean, then we can have sex tonight. Or, um, if you put the baby to bed and like, make sure the garbage is taken out, like those types of things. Hmm. Which, Almost like a holding it over the other person's oh, yeah. head Absolutely. a little bit. Like, mm-hmm. if you do this, then this. Yeah. And I mean, even when I was, like, pregnant, it was like, well, I'm too sick and I don't want to deal with it. And we can have sex tomorrow anyway, so I don't really have to push through anything to. Mm. To show up for you in this Yeah, way. exactly. Like, mm-hmm. I don't have to make any sort of sacrifice because I'm going to be able to have sex with you tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next day. So if I don't feel like doing it right now, even though that you've, like, made a whole lot of effort 
Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, I like specifically remember times where he would like go out of his way to be so kind. And like, I could just tell that he was like really trying to kind of butter me up. <laughs> and instead of making me feel like so loved and like happy and excited, I was just like, eh, like you're just doing this because you want sex. And that was not, that's so awful. Which probably wasn't his full intention, but no. part of it was building the relationship so that exactly. he could get, yeah, yeah. yeah so that you could yeah. move in that direction. Yeah. And so when we started to have to do natural family planning. Which can you just say briefly natural family planning, what it is, if this might be the first time absolutely. that somebody is learning about it? So natural family planning is avoiding sex when you're ovulating. To put it like the most blunt. simple. Yeah, Mm because there's a lot of ways you can do it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different methods and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But essentially, you're just trying not to have sex when the woman has an egg that is able to be fertilized. Which you can tell via signs that the the female body So you can look at mucus. You can look at body temperature. I just did it like the very medical scientific way of taking an ovulation test. And Mm -hmm. then that's when we knew that Mm -hmm. it was safe. Like I had ovulated. It was fine. Um, so once we had started practicing that, um, I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't just push his things aside because we had very limited windows. And this is something that you and Mara talked about too, is like, you had to be very intentional. And I had realized that I had built up such a, um, such a wall kind of around sex in our marriage because it had become something that I felt like I was like only obligated to do when I wanted and not mm. obligated to do because I'm his wife. And I don't necessarily like to use the word obligation, um, but it's definitely a piece of marriage that shouldn't be missing. Mm-hmm. I think you had yeah. mentioned in another podcast, like, um, like sex and money are two things that people fight about and then get divorced over it. Yeah. So obviously this was not a problem that I could just ignore. Yeah. It's extraordinarily important. Yeah. 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 Um, and so we had to work through some things, but it definitely, it definitely made sex something that was so much more of a gift and so much more of like a beautiful thing when it was something we were going to do instead of me just, what was Brushing the, it off. Can you name what was the real shift in that? Was it because, okay, we have limited windows, which means I need to be intentional? You know, was it an intentionality thing? Was it, um, I don't know, even just having, because you were having more conversations about when are we fertile, when are we not fertile? What What was it that suddenly made that experience this more beautiful thing? How did it change? Yeah, I don't think suddenly is the right way to say it because it, it definitely was slow. Um, but it was definitely like the intentionality and the reality that like when I want to have sex with you, I can't. Hmm. Because <laughs> your yeah. hormones are very good at telling you like, I would like to have another baby now, please. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, and I remember um, I bought this book because I'm a medical student and I am gone for 24 hours at a time, sometimes 80 hours a week. And so um, I bought this book called How to Love Your Spouse for Busy Wives. Oh, and, I love it. And I immediately opened it to the sex chapter because I was just so like lost about it. Mm. And it was like 
suck it up and have sex with your husband. Like, I, if you don't want to have sex, like, you, it's just you have to. And you said on the other podcast, like, intimacy begets intimacy. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading that and being like, I am never picking up this book again. Like, what a load of awful, like, preachy. It turned you away. Yeah. Yeah. And the more, the more I think about it, the more I was just like, you know, it's taken me a while to get there. But, like, yeah, sometimes you have to set aside time. And if I'm not really feeling it, like, I can put myself in a space where, you know, I, I can do it. Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's not it's not an awful, I'm not, I'm not being asked to like pull my toenails off, you know, <laughs> like it's just so silly. But I think you build up these like walls of resentment because it's such a personal, intimate thing. And they're asking you to be in, a part of it. And you have to like give your whole self. And it's hard not to be selfish about that, mm-hmm. especially for me, I guess. I don't know if that's other people's experience, but so... Yeah. Well, and I yeah. think um, I'm glad that earlier you you mentioned we have kind of a high desire, low desire mm-hmm. situation happening in our household because I've talked to many couples that have had experiences similar to that, and it can be a real ache for for the marriage. And sometimes it's flipped where it's actually the female that mm-hmm. has very high desire and the male that has low desire. And so kind of navigating those things. Um, but, but that whole idea that intimacy begets intimacy, which if you want to talk or learn more about that, we talked about it in episode five. Um, but, but it actually like creating the space to practice and to get more honest with your spouse about, okay, what works and what doesn't and yep. how, you know, I want to enjoy this, help me to figure out how to get there. Yep. And how to become more relaxed, more confident in it, um, all of those things. I just I think that's so important. And part of that is showing up. For yeah, it. You, you have know? to. Yeah, you have like, to show up. Yes, it's it's actually the practice of it. Like you don't just show up and run the marathon. You have to do the work mm-hmm. to to get there and to mm-hmm. figure it out. And to and and sometimes that takes a lot of time and um, can just be super challenging. So it takes a lot of mental energy, especially on the part of women. I can't speak as a man, but I think that it is probably easier for them to get into that headspace. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that for women, that headspace can be really hard. And I found that that was my biggest problem is that I couldn't like get into the headspace of like, this is what we're going to do. We're going to do it together. It's not going to be just him. And I'm just going to like lay here and do nothing. And then it's going to build up resentment and we're not going to want to be intimate because we're both not enjoying it. Because women, we can do that. That's such a real. Okay. First of all, thank you for sharing that. And and I know that's a vulnerable thing for you to say. You're like, oh, yeah, (laughs) girl. No biggie, whatever. (laughs) Um, But I really, I think that's such a common experience for people, um, whether that's male or female. And, And you're totally right. Part of it is the, the mental game of mm-hmm. like checklists of things that we need to do. I mean, yep. I can't like, there are so many times where something will pop into my brain that will want to pull me away from oh, yes. my spouse <laughs> or a baby right? crying on a monitor, baby crying you on know, a monitor, like whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. So I just thank you for sharing that because I think it's a really, um, uh, it's a really common experience. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, yeah, part of it is we just have to show up and start figuring it out. Mm-hmm. How do we, how do we do this? Well, how do we, um, how do we grow in it? So, um, so going back to kind of your shift into natural family planning, starting to become aware of some of the things that, um, were, were actually beneficial to your marriage, kind mm-hmm. of combating some of the resentment things that you talked about. Um, 
There's also, uh, okay, this is an honest conversation about natural family planning. Yep. I think often, and, and we've talked about this, that we can look at natural family planning with rose-colored glasses mm-hmm. of, oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's so great. You know, like I had heard all of these statistics yeah. that, um, which are true statistics, mm-hmm. that couples that use natural family planning actually have more sex. They have more sexual satisfaction, um, whatever, all of these things. I don't know right? who they're surveying I don't sometimes. Know who, I don't know where they got that info, <laughs> yeah. but, but that's what they tell you. Yeah. Um, and actually that was a massive study that was done. Yeah. And I, I believe it. And I think that that's probably, it's actually true over the, probably the long game. The course of life. It's yep. over the long game. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we're looking just really sh- uh, short at this month, mm-hmm. you know? Um, I, I want to just unpack that a little bit with you um just kind of what your experience of maybe some of the challenges are um but also how can we in the communities that we find ourselves in the friendships the people that we are you know journeying with or whatever how can we open this up to have a more honest conversation about it absolutely so i found naturally planning to be difficult um As a educated, almost doctor, I still could not figure out what they were trying to tell me I was supposed to do with this monitor that's sitting in front of me and I'm Mm. sitting on the toilet and I'm like, I peed on this stick. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do now. And um, I think that that is a reality for a lot of people who start trying natural family planning is that it ends up being difficult. And I think one of the ways we can combat that is just giving people better tools and better like education about it. Yeah. As soon as I like got through the block of medical school where I learned like the actual processes, I was like, Oh, yep. This makes total sense. Perfect. I can pee on this at this time and it's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't have the luxury of sitting through a six-week endocrinology course. Yeah. Um, And neither does. And it makes me want to vomit to think about it. (laughs) Fair enough. It kind of made me want to vomit while I was doing it. I'm really hot. I don't want. Um, So I think I think that instead of I think that what ends up sort of happening is we say like, "Yep, natural family planning is what you should be doing," but we don't necessarily offer a whole lot of advice or training on how to do it properly. And we don't train doctors how to do it. For sure we don't mm-hmm. because I can tell you firsthand, nobody in my class is trained on how to help you with natural family planning, mm. which is sad. Yeah. And it kind of hurts me to say that out loud. It's a big miss. But I guarantee you that if you go to somebody who's in my class and trained, they're not going to know it. And that's not a thing we're tested on on the boards. Yeah. So if you can't go to your doctor and you know you're supposed to do it and you can't really go to the church, like you can't go to your priest and be like, hey, how am I supposed to do naturally planning? Um, I think we need better education um, and better like mutual support. So for example, I did like the Marquette method, which is what I'm talking about with the monitor or whatever. Mm-hmm. So when I um, had a friend who wanted to do naturally planning, I was like freshly pregnant. So I sat her down and we had like a dinner together and I gave her my monitor and I told her all these things and gave her all my extra test kit strips, whatever. And we did it together. Mm-hmm. And, and you mean you educated her yep, and all of that together? Yep, yeah. exactly. And like, I wish I would have had somebody do that for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so just, I think that piece of it is tough. Mm-hmm. And I also think the other piece of it that's tough is that um, taking a pill is easy. 
Like it's always going to be easy. Yeah. So natural family planning, once you get it, it's not, it's not bad. (laughs) I mean, genuinely I had to like pee on three sticks a month and that was it. Yeah. The hard parts about it, in addition to that, just figuring it out was just making time and not having sex when you're ovulating is hard Mm -hmm. to do because you Mm -hmm. want to. Mm -hmm. Um, But like, it's easy to use contraception. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So how do we convince people to to do natural family planning then? Yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to the education thing um, just really briefly because I think that's that's something that I'm actually a really big advocate of because for me, um, when I learned uh, our method of natural family planning, we use the Creighton model, mm-hmm. um, it, I think I had probably six meetings with a registered uh, nurse practitioner um, who was educating me. So we would go in, we would have the conversation. I would go home, start putting it into practice. Um, and this was during uh, our engagement. You know, we knew that we, this was the method that we wanted to utilize and it was extraordinary, not just what I learned about natural family planning, but what I learned about myself. Mm-hmm. And it was like, like, I can tell you if you were to go back and look at my bank statements for probably the last year, <laughs> You will know when I'm ovulating by when I go to Target. (laughs) Yeah. And I like get myself a new outfit or perfume. I mean, it's just like, Mm -hmm. we're like animals, you know, like it's just, it is, it's it's an innate thing. Yeah. Yes. It's just so funny. Our sound guys over here listening to this conversation, (laughs) like what did I get myself into? But, but it's true. Like, it's really amazing to me how much I started to learn about Mm -hmm. myself. Also about my moods, about times that I was, um, feeling just so in love with my husband and mm-hmm. times where I just thought he was so obnoxious. It's yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. It's it's like, like this the is same, a, the same thing at a different time of the month yes. is either like, yep, you're the most beautiful person on earth or please go away, Get from, away me. from me. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's just, it's very comical to me. Um, quite honestly, like when I went through that education and I think a lot of couples that do natural family planning kind of try and get by with like, okay, I know generally the principles mm-hmm. of I'm going to use the monitor exactly. or I'm going to, you know, watch for these signs or whatever, but I am such an advocate of the class or of a more formal yeah. education because it's not just about when or not, you know, it's, it's yeah, just what we can learn about female anatomy about our systems and how we work and about our hormones. It's like, I never got that in high school. Mm-mm. Like, how did I go through or, like or college said, or, or my, get you know, my women's bio yeah. class in college, mm-hmm. like nothing really educated me about the cycle that was happening. And I think natural family planning for me was the most enlightening experience ever. Even if, and I would recommend, even if people are, are saying, okay, yeah, we're, no, we're going to stick to the contraception thing still take a natural family planning <laughs> still class. do the class regardless still do the class because and, yeah. and so many couples too that are struggling with infertility and that kind of thing mm. they don't even yeah. know that there's certain times where we can achieve pregnancy mm-hmm. or not um and obviously there's there's a lot of a plethora of things with infertility um that can be going on but i yeah i i just am such a firm believer in the education component like you're talking about yep um I think too one of the um, one of the challenges and where I think we have kind of gone astray. Oftentimes, I say we as just as in like um, the royal people, <laughs> the, the people that like are advocates, right, of natural family planning. Yeah. Um, I think we try and 
really, and we talked about this a, a bit ago, but like mm-hmm. we really try and highlight all of these really great, good, beautiful things. Um, but I can tell you in, for, for our marriage, there are times where it's like, this is the worst. Yep. This is so crappy. Mm-hmm. Why, why, why? Why? Yeah. Why are we asked to <laughs> why do, are we this? do You know, why are we doing this? Um, because of those really, and I, and I think at the heart of it, probably for most couples that might resonate with that, it's that during the time of fertility is if you're avoiding a pregnancy is mm-hmm. the time where uh, the female particularly is most interested mm-hmm. in sexual intimacy. Um, so can you talk a little bit about that and kind of how you guys have navigated, um, yeah, not becoming resentful in those times or, um, even just approaching it more realistically in that regard. Yeah. I can't say that I've never resented naturally planning because I have. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. I think that what it comes down to though is, I mean, I also sometimes resent not being able to eat a cheeseburger on Fridays during Lent. Yep. It's sort of the same thing for me because I know that natural family planning is what I'm supposed to be doing. So even when it's sucks, yeah, it's still what I'm supposed to be doing. Now I can be mad about that sometimes when it's awful, mm-hmm. which it really isn't that awful all the time. <laughs> There's definitely times where I'm Moments. like, this yeah. is terrible. And then at times like, this is great. Yeah. Um. So... I think that at the heart of it, like we just, again, we, I think that society has a really hard time viewing fertility as the something beautiful and not the enemy. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what, I think that's what's so, sort of at the heart of everything is like, ultimately, why am I doing this? Well, it's because I'm freaking awesome and can grow a human in my body and fertility is this beautiful thing. Yeah. And so my other option, if I want to have sex and not have a baby at this time is to just not have that be a part of me. Mm-hmm. Um, because mm-hmm. that's your only option mm-hmm. is then you need to take birth control or use contraception. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said, that can seem really easy because mm-hmm. sex is good. And it should be. It's a gift. Um, But when we start to use it all the time, like I said, I mean, I experienced personally, like, it also takes away from the gift when you take the fertility part out of it. Yeah. I don't know if that answers your question, but... Well, it does, and it gets me thinking about just the cultural reality of instant gratification. Yeah. You know, how much do you think that has has to play with it? I just actually was thinking about this the other day, like... I, I was talking to was, uh, somebody that loves to watch TV and watches a ton of TV. Like they get home from work. They, they don't have kids. They turn their TV on and mm-hmm. it's whatever. And just this, I, I was noticing in them. I don't think that they were noticing yet, but like that was no longer satisfying. And they would yeah. get to this point where it, it was almost for them, like, I'm just bored. Like I'm yeah. watching this I've gotten thing. to that point on YouTube too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. It's like, I am, I'm bored because I actually have never practiced self-restraint mm-hmm. when it comes to this thing. And, and part of me is thinking, is that, is that one of these realities that we're seeing, um, with natural family planning is yeah, it's, it sucks to practice self-restraint, 
But actually, again, looking at the long game, that's where we start to grow. That's where we start to become more human because we can control our, yeah, like we're, we're not subject, I guess, to every inclination or whatever. Like we have the choice. Yeah, I think delayed gratification is a good way to put it because you're not going to see like the immediate benefits of natural family planning <laughs> like when you first start. I mean, mm. maybe you are. Maybe there's people out there that are like, well, I did. Yeah. And that's great. Yeah. I don't – I didn't experience that. But yeah. um, I think that any time you have to control yourself around something, it means it's really, really good. Chocolate. Yeah your iPhone, which yeah. isn't really, really good, but it's really, really satisfying. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, that's how people get addicted to drugs too. I mean, you are around something and it makes you feel awesome and then you get addicted to it and it's like TV. Anytime you have to say like, I need to limit myself with this thing, it's mm -hmm. because it's it feels good. Like yeah. It's a good thing. Yeah. And I think that I think that the problem is that, um, like, sex is good and you can still get good things while taking the fertility piece out of it. You can still, like, have sex with your husband if you're not using um, natural planning. Um, and so that almost delayed gratification piece is, like, delayed, delayed, delayed all the way till you get to heaven, you know, mm. especially if it's really hard for you. Mm -hmm. Um Mm -hmm. So you kind of have to play like the ultra long game. Yeah. So that's that's why I think it's just so important to, to talk about like fertility is is not the enemy because it's it's not a disease. It's not a disease, and it's t I mean I I say enemy like for a reason because I think that it's touted as that, in especially society. in the feminist movement. I was just going to bring that up. So every single day, every day when I'm in the hospital. And I am a giant pregnant medical student. They say, I could have never done that. How are you doing this? Like, there's no way you can possibly be a mom and a medical student. I would have never been able to study that much, blah, 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 and have kids. Yep. That is the opposite of mm, feminism. Yeah. Because I should be able to carry a baby and be a good doctor. Yep. And I'm doing that. Yep. And I don't have a problem with it. So everybody telling each other in order to be successful, you can only have a certain amount of children or only have children after you've reached a peak in your career, or you can only have children if it's beneficial to the environment. Like children are seen as this hindrance mm -hmm. to women. Mm -hmm. um, I am alt, like absolutely a better person because Greg and Joy exist. Mm -hmm. I am a better doctor for sure because they exist. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's been really hard. It's yeah. been super. I don't sleep. Yeah. I was just talking to you this morning. I yeah. was like, I don't know like, what you're you saying to, like, to put me. In a, <laughs> put in an <laughs> IV of caffeine Are we over speaking there? English? <laughs> but like viewing fertility as the enemy is what everybody else does. Mm. And like John Paul II gave us this great gift of theology of the body, which tells us it's not the enemy. Yeah. It's this it's beautiful, what we're made for. beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. We're and, made to be fully human. Yeah. It's not. It's not the enemy. Yeah. Well, Alexis, I'm just, I'm so grateful um, for you sharing your, your insights, but also your vulnerability and your honesty in this conversation. I've, um, as you know, like I've just really had a desire 
uh, specifically with this podcast to talk more honestly about some of these things and really to invite people into them. So um, thank you for sharing that. I end every podcast with wanting to know if there's a question that you have been pondering. Um, I'm a big question asker and think that relationships are often built on really good questions and like pulling out something from the other. So is there a question that you have been pondering, my friend? Yes. What do you got? I work in healthcare and I see a lot of sick people, but I also see a lot of society walking around and having um, struggles with this specific thing. And my question that I think about a lot is why is our society so afraid of suffering? Mm. Because I've seen it be really beautiful um, and I've seen it be really hard, but I just wonder why we have this deep fear. Fear. Well, I'm going to sit with that one for a while. (laughs) I feel like I I just got like punched because that's me. Like I, yeah, like I am totally that way. I often fear suffering. Why? Why? Well, thank That's a great question. Thanks for sharing it with us. Uh, Listeners, I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode um, or if it has spurred another question for you that you're pondering. We set up a little Google Voice number for you to call and share your thoughts, your feedback, a question that you're pondering, or even a little shout out uh, that you want to give a friend. I'll leave this in the show notes, but the number is 605-215-1515, 1515. Uh, you can send a text to that or leave a voicemail. It goes straight to voicemail. So um, I'm sorry, I'm not screening your calls, but I'm not going to answer because I want it to just simply be an opportunity for you to leave your thoughts in a message. Um, and we will hope to share some of these in future episodes. So um, definitely uh, shoot us a mes- message. You can also follow us on Instagram at SF Diocese or my personal account is at Emily M. Lead them. Are you on Instagram, Alexis? I am. What can can people follow along with your sure. doctor mother crazy adventure <laughs> journey? Sure. Where do I they post find a you? A lot of pictures. Uh, Alexis underscore Motes M O T Z M O T Z. Well, friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please share it with a friend to help spread the word about what it means to be authentically human and fully alive. And we'll be back next time. 